Hey everyone, do you want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money? We've earned so much money from this podcast all in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. And then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else Spotify (laughs) podcasters are heard. Yeah, because did you know that video podcasts are also on Spotify? This what? is a potentially paid promotion from Spotify for podcasters. And did you know that we have the optional option of saying, when you take the conversations <laughs> with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are a great way to get them talking. With Spotify for podcasters, you can earn money in variety of ways, including ads like this one and pod- <laughs> podcast subscriptions. And guess what, everyone? Best of all, it's totally free with no catch. No way. Except that it takes 1,000 listens for one (laughs) single episode to get even a red dime of money from Puck. $14. So if you guys want to make sure that we get $14, tell your friends to listen. (laughs) Tell your friends to listen. Tell your friends to listen. 1,000 times. And hey, you know what? Let's share the personal testimonial they have for us. It oh, says yeah. here that I feel like having options like video podcasts and Q&A and polls has led me to be creative on a whole other level. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. They said that in the testimonial? All of that? Yeah. Interesting. <laughs> the whole thing. Testimonial from the CEO of Spotify? Yeah. <laughs> Well, sign up today. Theme song not included. Back to another episode of Man Cave Movie Night, the first actual potentially paid sponsorship episode of Man <laughs> Cave Movie Night. More than likely, uh, I'm Nile. I'm Jared, and I, Lucas. And today we are very excited because we are going to be talking about the cultural event that was Barbenheimer. That is Barbenheimer. It is should, yeah. We should yeah. say it's still going on, sweeping the nation. Um. We all went down, we got together to see it together in person live. Um, not like live, it was pre-filmed. We didn't uh, watch live performances. Wait, what? I thought that was really happening in front of us. No, it no. was a film. The uh, actors aren't really IMAX size. Yeah. I thought they figured <laughs> out They're how small to like you and that. me. Uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're the small like you and me. Yeah. Um, Dang it. But we saw Barbie. And then we truly walked out of that theater to a bathroom, out of the bathroom, and directly into Oppenheimer. So basically, five straight hours of watching these movies. We dressed mm-hmm. up. It was really fun. And I, I can speak for all of us. So you guys just sit back this episode because I'll take care right, of it. Okay, perfect. Thing. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Go for it. Um, but I can, I can pretty confidently say that all three of us really thoroughly enjoyed both of the movies, um, mm. which was a yeah. huge relief for me. I was so glad that they were both good. Yeah. Because it, it made the whole thing just so much more exciting that it actually like kind of lived up to the hype. I feel like it would have been really depressing if either of them was just like, well, all right, that was okay. Yeah, like, yeah. You know? mediocre. Well, yeah, I bring but... up our Letterboxd all the time on this podcast. Yeah. We all Shout do. out to Letterboxd. One day shout sponsor. out to Letterboxd. We, out of between the two movies, we had a total of 30 stars we could give away between mm, the three of us. That's right? true. And, the two yep. movies. and we gave out all 30 stars. Oh! We, all three of us gave both movies five stars, which a 30-star night with the boys. 
<laughs> that's Am a I rare. Right? Star- that's what that's we're all hoping for. Rare Star Boys. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Nah, but for real, that yeah. that really is a big. We should make a man cave movie night letterboxed for the podcast that has kind oh, of just the, the conglomerate reviews of movies. Yeah, yeah. That could be kind we of could. fun. Anyway, I just don't want to get rid of my letterboxed account on my phone. Well, because I don't think you can have multiple attack accounts logged into at the same time. Oh, well, we'll just you, buy a phone. You don't want to log in on phone. the computer. A fourth phone that we share between the three of us. <laughs> yeah, we can do it on a computer. It's easy. Yeah, with anyway. all this ad revenue we're going to be making, we could all have <laughs> yeah. business oh, yeah. phones. Yeah, we're <laughs> company making, phone. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you with see our movies, company Porsches. Wait, wait, wait. Guys, if we get paid that $14, can we make anything that we do for this podcast a tax write-off? Um, no, I don't think so, because it's, there's a lot of other things. Guys, don't do. crush my dreams, just tell well, me Well, also, yes. you're not even writing off your taxes anyway, because they're No, yeah, but just tell deducted. me yes, though. Oh, yes. Yeah, we then, can do then that. Then yes, yeah. Awesome. Actually, Thanks, yes. guys. That's super exciting. <laughs> so we definitely got to make that thousand <laughs> listens on this episode. But per but, thousand listens. So if we got 10,000 listens on this episode, we, we would get $140. Oh, wow. I'm not 28. I'm in <laughs> You know how many times Wait, no, we not could 30, see Barbenheimer? No, 10,000 is oh. 10 times 14, which would be Well, I was talking about getting 2,000 and we would get uh, 28 bucks. Yeah, that is true. Whoa. Anyway. Still, yeah, <laughs> anyway. Welcome back to our accounting and math <laughs> podcast, <laughs> where we mention movies sometimes. But hey. Two movies that came out this weekend, and you have probably seen both or one of them. Honestly, yeah. I feel pretty confident. This is one of the few times where a movie's yeah. been released where I don't feel like we have to hold a lot back for the conversation because so True. many people have gone to see these movies already. Yeah. Yep. Big time. Um, I think the way we'll do this episode is probably just one movie at a time. Uh, we'll do it in the order that we watched the movies. So we'll start with Barbie. Just general impressions. What would you guys think? Great. Very okay. good. Good. So Oppenheimer. Well, so uh, let, let's All just right, say also, if, if you have not watched either of these yet, or if you've only watched one or the other, we're going to keep it spoiler free until we're, we tell you that it's not spoiler free anymore. So, oh, yeah. well, we'll for keep sure. them. Well, we might be a little bit more detailed just about how excited we are, but we don't want to ruin anything for the, the general experience if you haven't had time to see it or the opportunity. Because, crazily enough, I have a few friends who haven't been able to watch Barbie yet because the theaters have been sold out. At yeah. the times that they were able to go. So it's like <laughs> some people have wanted to go and had the time to go, but they just did not even have the available option, yeah. which is wild. Very rarely does that happen. True. True, true, true. So, yeah. Barbie. 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 Guys. Lucas, I... go. Oh, yeah. Jared. For them. Jared's talking. He goes first now. <laughs> I was so excited for Barbie for no reason. Same with Oppenheimer. <laughs> I mean, like, there's talent on the screen. There's talent, you know behind the screen or behind the camera that's what the word is uh there's just so much going into both of these movies that yeah you're going to get excited and they're both going to be very stylized going to tell very different stories but barbie for some reason that pink that you know bubbly excitement was uh you know exactly what i wanted something very different from the theater experience that i haven't seen in maybe ever right yeah seriously and i think it, it absolutely delivered uh, it was so stylized. It felt like you were in the dream house, you know, when they were in the dream house parts of it. I was thinking back on it, and you could truly, it wouldn't be good, but you could like robot chicken style replace actors with Barbies. Yeah. And it true, would totally. still feel the exact same. Oh, yeah, totally. Yeah. Right. Again, not as good <laughs> because yeah, it you don't work get as well, all but, of yeah, yeah. Ryan Gosling's facial uh, reactions and features. Oh yeah, and his just absolute his just yeah pecs that are living a pecs. life of their own. <laughs> Each one his has pecs its own that are story. just yeah actively consciously thinking and moving independently from the rest of his body the entire time. It was unbelievable. <laughs> the whole thing. Th- there were so many creative like a couple fourth wall breaks or creative little nods and moments uh, that you could tell they had fun writing the script and making the movie. But, and at the same time, all the actors seemed like they were just having a lot of fun, you know, blasting sparkles out of their bodies. Oh you yeah. Know, totally. And choreographed movements and stuff. And so it was just fun. 
to be in the theater watching things that people had fun making. And that's yeah, my yeah. Well, impression and of Barbie. Both of our screenings were very full, but Barbie mm. was 100% sold out. Literally yeah. every single seat was taken, which I have never seen before. Even the front row had people sitting in them. It's, yeah. It was crazy, and it yeah, helped so much. It's a great movie to see with a lot of people because it's hilarious, and being able to laugh with a room of people who are laughing along with you is just so fun, especially when it's that many people. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah, there are some very, very good jokes that I will remember for a long time. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of can't shake the feeling that this movie, to me, felt like in in all of the best ways. I only mean this as a compliment and it's not going to sound like one, but mm. this makes sense in my brain, so just let me say it. And that is this movie kind of felt like seeing a high school play with all of your friends in it. Mm. Because <laughs> sure. it was like you could just tell that they were having such a good time and oh, they were yeah. in it and they were being the characters. But you also could see not just Ken, but Ryan Gosling being Ken. Oh, like, yeah. it wasn't oh, like yeah. a lose myself in the <laughs> character and I am this character now. It almost was like you were there seeing Ryan Gosling playing the part intentionally, like, so that he was still really present there. And it felt like that for every single person in the movie, you know? It, oh, totally. to the To the point that the people that weren't Barbies, the, the mother and the daughter felt so different from the rest of the cast because uh-huh. they they did feel like they were in their characters they were actually their characters. And so it was it was this really weird kind of surreal feeling of almost like knowing Margot Robbie and and Ryan Gosling enough on like a personal level to make it feel like I'm just watching my friends doing something fun. And yeah, it like yeah, yeah. skyrocketed the fun factor. And it made a lot of those jokes, the the little kind of references and, and the kind of meta jokes that they had every now and then feel so much funnier because yeah. oh, it was totally. just like, oh yeah, I'm, this is like, like there was a reference to actual Margot Robbie where they used Margot Robbie's name in mm-hmm. a joke. And <laughs> yeah. it was in any other movie, I would have been like, okay, I roll stupid. I roll. But with yeah, this yeah. approach of this movie, it was Perfect. Oh, it was it, so I just, well done. I, I loved it. Also, What's with, with Margot Robbie and those kind of actor referential scenes, like uh, I know the big the short. Big short. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Seriously, she's, she's, I guess, drawn to those roles that get yeah. referenced. But, um, I also will say, as fun and and zany, I dare say that this movie is. It also certainly made me cry. Um, at about. Uh, I, I don't know, probably 20 or 30 minutes in, there's a specific scene involving a bus stop that I just, it was so well done and it was so emotional and it made me so just like, it, it made me feel lucky to be a person and to be alive, you know? And it was, it was really awesome. And I don't know. I just, it, I think we, we ought to also pay attention to the fact that this movie isn't just like goofy haha funny there is a lot of heart in this movie as well oh yeah, yeah totally i think honestly every heartbreaking facial expression of margot robbie just hit me so hard because she's sad throughout this movie yeah yeah there are a lot scenes. of characters who become sad yeah um, and just it's heartbreaking <laughs> <laughs> truly yeah yeah i i also just loved this movie i i think we're so lucky that this that both of these movies were so good because it just made the whole event so much more fun and i think the way to do it is barbie then oppenheimer because if you watch if you finish oppenheimer you are in no mood to watch another movie you are (laughs) in no mood to do anything really and so having barbie to kind of like prime you like oh wow that was a ton of fun this was a great movie let's go watch another great movie is if you're going to do a double feature. If you're going to watch them on different days, then yeah, whatever. Do what you want. But if you could do them back-to-back like this, if we had gotten out of Oppenheimer, I'd be like, nah, I don't really want to watch another movie right now, man. <laughs> yeah. You would have started with long, Barbie, but... and I think it's a Lizzo song at the beginning, and you're just like, what are we doing here? Yeah, it was. <laughs> not, this is not you're like still finishing be. your cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> well, I'm it's like, it's like I saw somebody say, it's, it's Barbenheimer, it's not Oppenheimy. Yeah, exactly. You, you watch Barbie me. first. 
You and do Barbenheimer. You go into Oppenheimer. Yep. But I but, also, that double feature, I can 100% see myself doing that down the road with friends. Saying like, oh, guys, you want to do Barbenheimer this weekend? And yeah, like, yeah, seriously. let's get together yeah. and watch Barbie and then watch Oppenheimer right after, you know? It, but, it really is crazy that these two movies came out on the same day. Because I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast, but I remember that was like the initial plan. It's been the plan for a long time. And I'm like, yeah. there's no way they're both going to still come out on these days. But what ended up happening, because in theory, that is a terrible decision. Because yeah. it's just going to undercut one of the movies. Nine times out of ten. That's always what happens when they try and release two movies from different studios on the same day. One of them does well and one of them does poorly. What actually ended up happening is both of them ended up doing way better than they would have otherwise. Yeah. Which is just mind-boggling. This weekend was like one of the biggest box office weekends of all time. Because yeah. people were so excited to watch both movies. And the other crazy mm-hmm. thing is part of Oppenheimer doing it so well is that people couldn't get tickets to Barbie. And so they were just feeding off of each other's ability yeah. to make a ton of money. And like, so Oppenheimer made $80 million this weekend, which is just a great box office opening for any movie, yeah. especially yeah. a movie that's Let alone rated a rated R. R. Yeah. yeah, and especially considering Barbie came out this weekend and made $160 million on the oh same weekend, which is one of yeah. the highest opening weekends of all time, definitely the highest of this year. $80 million yeah. is higher than most of the opening weekends this year for a lot of huge movies, and they both were on the same weekend. It's just unprecedented, unbelievable. It's so cool that yeah, this dude. happened. It's definitely yeah. a one plus one equals three situation. It absolutely uh-huh. is. Yep. Each one on their own would have done well, People would have been excited for it. But something about these incredibly clashing tones, yep, very different totally movies, different. Mm-hmm. very different audiences that they're targeting, being back-to-back, yeah. that's just so special. It's yeah, awesome. it really this is. is. A, it, this it is will... a cultural event in film that will never be replicated to the same degree. Yep, absolutely. There's no way you could do it again because you can't plan it like this. It wasn't planned like Universal did Oppenheimer and Warner Brothers did Barbie. And it wasn't like, oh, hey, guys, let's try and make this Barbenheimer thing. (laughs) Obviously, they each independently wanted their movies to do well. And then people just picked it up and were like, hey, dude, Barbenheimer's a thing. And it worked out way better than it should have. But I'm very enthused that it did because both movies are totally deserving of people watching them. They're both great. So... On that, let's go into Oppenheimer a little bit. Oppenheimer personally was the one I I was a little I was just like leaning more towards, you know. Mm-hmm. I was I was kind of like, yeah, I, this is the one I'm here for. And really, it just it exceeded any expectation that I had for it. I I loved every second of it. It was it was one of those movies where. A lot of the time I feel like a three-hour movie, people get out of it when they loved it, and they're like, man, that didn't feel like three hours at all. Yeah. It it certainly felt like three hours to me. That did <laughs> not mean that I wanted it to end, yeah. you know? Oh, yeah. I was like, Seriously. no, this feels like three hours, and I almost feel like intentionally. It was like the movie is kind of designed to weigh down on you mm-hmm. and, and like make you feel like you're just like slogging through mud and you just like – it's it's just it's like work that movie uh-huh. to to like really sit there and like just enjoy it not work in that it's really hard to understand like some of other uh Christopher Nolan movies in mu- as much as just emotionally and and mentally and intellectually in terms of like what it makes you think about it is very very heavy and i just thought it was done so well the tension that it created with the music and lack of music in certain scenes mm-hmm. to the point where it was just like, okay, I don't even know if this te- if this scene is actually tense or not, but it's pulling the rubber band anyway. And just like, it, it makes you realize that for Oppenheimer, just every day was being worn down by that kind of like, inner psychological tension of what he was creating, what he was dealing with and the potential repercussions. It was, it was brilliant. I loved it. Yeah. This was definitely one of those movies where every shot, every frame that they put in front of you is a painting and Mm. it, you are lost in it looking at either the characters or just images of 
fire, you know, like whatever mm-hmm. they put in front of you, it's absorbing. You are totally engrossed in the movie and having that on IMAX, which is why we made the big effort to get together to go see it was to see it on the huge screen. Yeah. Definitely, definitely worth it. Um, oh, and totally. I, I thought the whole movie felt like that felt very intentional. It felt like every shot, every character was put in place to tell this story and uh, you just got lost in it. You got mm-hmm. lost in each scene, and after three hours, you're like, okay, that that was the movie, yeah, right? Because yeah. you're so lost in the story the whole time. Obviously, like Niall said, it did feel long, especially coming out of a movie, but it didn't yeah. feel un, like not enjoyable because of that. Totally. Uh, I think the biggest thing that sh- struck me was at the beginning, it has that quote, and... Lucas was telling me this is from the book it's based off, but the the comparison between Prometheus, right, bringing yeah, yeah, fire Prometheus, to man, yep. mm-hmm. and then Oppenheimer the, bringing atomic, the atomic bomb to mankind, yeah. to mankind, yeah, yeah. is that same kind of idea of the world is changed now, right? Uh, and this Oppenheimer is not a legend; it's a human person yeah. who yeah. did something world changing. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. That is. It was. That stuck with me the whole movie while, you know, while yeah. each piece of the story was laid down, like, you know, tracks well, in, the, in front the, of you. Yeah. The other part of that quote that just makes it so much, like, heavier is for bringing fire to man, um, Prometheus was tied to a rock and tortured for eternity. Yeah. And it's yep. like, it's Oops. like a human can't. <laughs> endure that same because a human's gonna die and so it's Uh like it's just oh oh my goodness i just (laughs) if i start getting specific with it i'm just gonna be too excited (laughs) but i i oh man this movie was just so good it was really because you know nolan i love nolan we love nolan but he's had some ones that i have not loved as much recently but i i did rewatch um interstellar again and i was just like man he knows how to do it he just knows how to make a great movie and i just wanted this one to be bad to be good so badly (laughs) (laughs) i just wanted i just wanted this one to be bad let's take him down let's get him out of here and it uh (laughs) totally blew away my expectations there are certain horrific elements to it in like the sense of being a horror movie almost which work super effectively just in the existential dread type of it. Yeah. Uh, kind of just the subject matter. And, oh man, it is just so engrossing. It truly does deserve to be watched on the largest format you can because the sound, the surround sound system and just the huge scale and scope of the movie is just so deserving of watching it on the largest format possible. And it was really, really helpful to keeping you involved and keeping you engrossed because it was just so, so good. I seriously have not thought about a lot other than wanting to rewatch this since we finished watching it. Yeah. And it is three hours long. However, it is the, rare is the occasion where I will be watching a movie and I check my watch not because I want it to be over, because I'm afraid of when it will be done. Yeah, because I want like, to oh, see no. how cool. much left I get to see. Exactly, exactly. It's like, oh man, there's only a half hour left. I, there's, I'm just loving this so much, and it's a three hour movie. Like, it's a huge time commitment, yeah. but it is totally worthwhile. It is totally well made, totally well done. I just loved every part of it, and I truly can't wait. I'm, I'm gonna rewatch again before it leave, leaves IMAX, just because. I just want Same. to re revisit that and that I'm going to probably, uh, maybe I'll watch it again after that. Who knows? But I want to re read the book, finish reading the book that is based on, I started reading it and then I just stopped because I was like, I might as well just watch the movie. And now I'm really interested to learn more about him as well. Um, and yeah. then just one final thing I want to say is at the beginning of the year, we, we predicted the best picture winner and we said, whatever I said, Dune two, just because I want to, I think Dune two will be cool. But I genuinely think this one could win. I think it w- could be the one of Christopher Nolan's movies to win Best Picture and to win him his first Oscar. If it's going to be one, I think it's going to be this one. Yeah. So that's Which, obviously by the way, hot like, take, random, so. like has no real information behind it because we've still got six more months of movies to come out. But that being said, I think this is going to be the one. Yeah. Yeah. 
And that is something that I think a lot of people didn't know. I didn't know it, but Christopher Nolan has zero Oscars. And to me, like, of course, he's had less opportunities to win an Oscar than, say, Leonardo DiCaprio had. But to me, it's it's the same kind of how is that possible? You know, he had never (laughs) even he had never even been nominated for Best Director until Dunkirk. That was his first nomination. No way. Really? Yep. He'd only been nominated as a producer or writer. That's maybe absolutely actually even to me. just as a producer. Inception might have gotten the writing credit, uh, but he never won for any of them. So, but he's had he's had films like actors in his films win, right? Like Keith Ledger mm. won, right? Yes, yep, 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 yep. Yeah, so he's directed performance, and there have been yeah, his movies have won Oscars, like they've won um, technical awards, but he himself has never won one. Oh, jeez, man. That's Oppenheimer crazy. sweep. I really think I, we can get Oppenheimer sweep because so. even Ludwig, Ludwig Göransson, who did the score for this, I think he could get another Oscar because he won one yeah. for Black Panther, but I think yeah. he could get another one for this one because it was great. I think another thing, spe- going back to a little bit what we talked about in the Asteroid City episode, oh, yeah. we were talking about like kind of director, um, like things where you see it and you're like, okay, that's this director. Christopher mm-hmm. Nolan has a bunch of them, but one of them that I hadn't really thought about until this movie was something where he has one shot that is clearly the same continuous shot that is just like kind of intercut into the movie for, um, for like dramatic purpose. Say when they're building the bomb and they're like putting all of the little kind of hexagons Ooh, into place, no. I say, yeah. it's very clearly just one shot that they just filmed and they're zooming in on it while they're constructing it. But then he takes that shot and he clips it into like five different clips so that it also signifies like the progress that they're making on actually putting the bomb together in terms of like, like the, the, the work that they're doing to, figure the bomb out, but then intercut with that obviously one take that's just cut into pieces that just adds so much tension every time you see it. And it's just panning closer and closer <laughs> into it. And you're just like, ah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's like, so uh... intense. Also, there are few directors right now that could have a scene of an atomic bomb exploding. <laughs> and also in that same movie have just like, an interrogation and have the interrogation be as stressful and intense, if not more so than the atomic bomb. And that thing like with the, with the hyper exposed um, light in the room and the shaking wall, it was just like, this is, this is beautiful. This is like art in its perfect form, basically. Well, the the other crazy thing is that he did not use CGI to create any of those effects. Yeah. All of the Zero CGI shots in the movie. Yep. All the cutaways and stuff, they they overlay, they superimpose some of the shots, obviously, because you can't blow up a bomb right in front of all these actors. But the bomb explosions themselves are real. They were created, and then they are able... So special effects is used, obviously. But it's not like where in like an end game where an entire shot is just fully CG. It's just all that stuff was done through the power of the, like the pre-production and the physical world and the practical effects, even the little like stars perspective stuff. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So even certain shots where it's like, how could you do that? It's all, they created the effect and they were able to put it on the computer. So obviously the computers are used of course, but it's not like a, it's not like, Oh, there's a Groot here he's cgi yeah yeah so there's nothing like that but um also no one loves his miniatures i don't know i'm interested Mm -hmm. to find out what in this movie was shots of miniatures Mm -hmm. yeah but in just about every nolan movie you'll have yeah extreme miniature shots that are just like hyper realistic but built to like 100th real size and then they film it and it just like you cannot tell like I really the do know base and inception that they blow up at the end. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. I, I do one wonder giant miniature. Yeah. yeah. I wonder how small the explosions were in this. Like if they were really scaled down and then they just brought them up because a lot yeah. of the stuff like either explosions tell. or the particles and things like that, like the little spinning effects were done underwater and mm-hmm. just to be able to get like, they put flakes of silver and like blue light on them in different directions and stuff. Like it's just so well shot 
and it's very well edited. Speaking back to the horror point, yeah. the person who edited this also edited Hereditary and Midsummer. And so she really? very much know knows that. how to create a kind of existential dread story with the edit. Mm. And so some of that cutaway stuff, edit. I'm curious how much was her and how much was him. A lot of it, I'm sure, was collaborative. But you can tell she's very good at doing a kind of horror edit because it very was edited like a horror movie. I did not that know that. Also, you should share the fact. Maybe we'll tread kind of into more spoilery territory now just because okay. I think this is a cool fact that I have not been seeing this around, and so I think it would be cool for you to share. But what was the difference between the color and the black and white? Yeah, so, yeah, let's, let's just Oppenheimer. say from here on out, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about spoilers from, for Barbie and Oppenheimer. So if you haven't seen yeah. them yet and you're interested in one or the other, from here on out, we're not going to spoil anything huge, but yeah. Yeah. The difference between black and white is black and white is objective and color is subjective. And mm. I think the easiest way to tell of that, because he, he said that outright, but if you are paying attention, the easiest way you'd be able to discern that is that, you know, the whole movie, there's that little scene with Robert Downey Jr. and Einstein and Oppenheimer. And that is in black and white every time you see it until the very end, which is how the the last scene of the movie it's in color because the senate aide who's talking to robert downey jr says well you know you don't even know what he was talking about he might not have even been talking about you and so it basically then just takes a perspective of what they could have been talking about that would have made einstein give that character the cold shoulder and that scene that last scene was just so well done and Again, it's just all in the edit because it's not exactly linear. Like, there, it, it does a lot of juxtapositions between time and things like that, but it still starts him as a kid and then we see him evolve. It doesn't throw anything for a real loop, but there's just multiple storylines going on at the same time from different parts of yeah. his life. And just mm-hmm. culminating all with that at the end is just amazing. Another thing yeah. I want to say as well is the de-aging, quote-unquote, was totally done through makeup and it was super effective at no point where yeah. i was like oh man i can totally tell that that's just a really dumb looking killian murphy whether he was younger or older than he was supposed to be for all the actors too emily blunt looked great all the characters yeah, they did de-aging the old, or aging the up aging for the amazing. aging it was it was, was all makeup and it was well super well done and it just proves you can use makeup you don't have to do this dumb deep faking Obviously, for certain yeah. characters, maybe you should just recast them. When Harrison Ford is 80 years old, you know, yeah. but that's yeah. neither here nor there. But just speaking to the effectiveness of the makeup in this movie, again, could totally win an Oscar just for that. Totally. Totally. Yeah, um, I truly don't have a ton of spoiler talk, you know? For either like, of yeah. them, yeah. For this, yeah. we've covered so much that mm-hmm. if we're going into spoilers, it's just talking about specific jokes in Barbie or sure. specific plot points that I, you know, like all of Ryan Gosling's journey in Barbie was just so fun. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it was so good. But freaking like, hilarious. Yeah. yeah. I, I want to add on Oppenheimer before we go back to Barbie because there is yeah. more Barbie stuff to be talked about. But I, and of course, if you follow me on Letterboxd, you'd already know this about me. But I, think that my internet may be crapped out, but I'm going to no, keep talking good. and we can figure it out in the edit. Um, <laughs> we can hear you. I have always been like super afraid of atomic bombs. Yeah. I think I'm back in the, yeah, in you're the back. Welcome now. back. Right on. Cool. 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 Um, I've always been like way afraid of atomic bombs. I remember like, I have this weird memory of, like, learning about atomic bombs and hydrogen bombs from a friend of mine in, like, my mm. backyard when I was a little kid. And I remember <laughs> it, like, scaring me. And, like, like to the same, not necessarily to the same degree, I won't, I won't claim this same horror, but it, I, I, when I hear people talking about, like, growing up during the Cold War and saying, like, oh, yeah, we were always just scared that, like, a nuclear strike was around the corner and things like that. I've, I, like, whenever I hear that, I can really relate to it because when I learned about him, I was just like, well, that's just a thing that can that's happen. That's going to happen. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I, I was always really scared of it, and, of course, I have kind of just slipped into, like, blissful ignorance. Mm-hmm. Um, 
since, threw you back since in, those baby. like childhood <laughs> times. And seriously, this movie made me feel those same fears that I haven't felt in a long time since I was a little kid. But the thing that sucks about it, as opposed to other scary movies, is that I'm like, oh no, this is bringing back an actual fear that I have about a thing that is real and actually can and maybe will happen. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. just like, okay, so he made this atomic bomb. And, like, that shot of just, like, the cloud line with all of, like, the the missile, like, lines oh, trailing yeah, up from yeah. it is so horrifying to me. Oh, yeah. And yeah. there there was the, a line, like, 20 minutes in that wasn't even necessarily about this, but something was mentioned that just kind of reminded me, like, yeah, no, atomic bombs are real, and, like, pretty much every country has them now, and, mm-hmm. like, pretty much the end of the world is, like, one bad conversation away between world oh, leaders. Yeah. Yeah, and, it's crazy. Um, <laughs> the, end, the literal end of the world, it's crazy. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, all right, well, now I'm terrified again, and I honestly am still living in that, and I'm just kind of, like, as much as I love this movie, I really just kind of can't wait to not have it on my mind anymore. Because <laughs> well, yeah, I'm stressed hey, about atomic bombs now. My the, suggestion is go watch some of those Mission Impossible movies again so you can remember that the yeah, IMF we're protected. will they're, always stop yep, nuclear always war. Any out. codes true. getting out of hand? No, we, we've got a team on That's that. True. That's true. <laughs> That's but it, it also is interesting... Um, recently I can't remember who it was. I think he might be one of the people that does open AI. Um, that company talking about mission impossible and the atomic bomb. Cause this, this relates to both a little bit. Um, he apparently quoted Oppenheimer, um, in a recent conversation where they were talking about like the dangers of AI. And he basically said, I, I think the quote is something along the lines of this is definitely paraphrasing, but if I hadn't done it, then somebody else would have. And I couldn't have guaranteed that the other person would have been a good man. So mm, at yeah, least that's, yep. at least I made it, you know? Yeah, like, it was going to get made anyway. And you feel a lot of that in Oppenheimer. Because it's, it's not like a, oh, we're secretly working on this thing and nobody else even knows that it's possible. It was It was a race to the atomic bomb. And so it was like, at least it was made by... The good guys, you know, well, you know, not from Japan's <laughs> point of view, yeah, of but, yeah. um, but it, it's one of those things that's just really interesting. We're still seeing stuff like that in the world happening now, say with AI or whatever, but there are basically canon events in, in the world's future that are coming where, okay, this thing is going to be created all we can really hope for is that it's created by a good person instead of a bad one, you know? Yep. And uh, that's one of my favorite things about this movie is that you end understanding that Oppenheimer isn't sure if he's a good person. He's not sure if it was a good thing that he's the one that made it, you know? And that is so frightening. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, it's just, oh, there are so many things about it that just, I'm just still thinking about. And, and if a movie can make me think about it this frequently, days after I saw yeah, it, well done. I, it's a, it's a very good sign that the movie did what it needed to do, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, do we want to backtrack into spoilers or do we just want to keep Going into questions. Let's, let's go into questions. questions. Yeah, yeah, let's do I, some questions. Also, just yeah. quick spoiler for Barbie, I guess. Just one brief thing. The musical sequence was so <laughs> well done and oh, fit yeah. so well into the movie <laughs> yeah. that I honestly kind of didn't even realize that the rest of the movie hadn't been a musical yep. until, like, <laughs> the conversations I had post-movie. Like, it fit in so <laughs> well. Yep. Yeah. It was so, there were so many little things that were just so effective with that. And... Just the, they created such a great world for you to live in during the yeah. movie. It was mm-hmm. just totally convincing. At no point where I was like, nah, I don't know about that. It was just so fun and totally got you into it as soon as it started. It's just the, the same vibe and it just keeps full throttle the whole way through. Yep. Yep. All right. We yep. can do questions yep. now. I just wanted to talk about that sequence because I thought <laughs> no, it was really absolutely. important that that got mentioned. Oh, man. Yeah, I was... 
what what a ride both movies obviously yeah. very different rides you're getting yeah. off of it's a small world and getting on tower of terror you know what yeah. i mean <laughs> yeah both fun for sure both different, fun, but very different, different ways still yeah yeah yep. um yeah i we talked a little bit about this but the casts are amazing not mm-hmm. for both movies right um and we talked a little bit in our wes anderson episode recently there are just some directors that people flock to where, you know, a Wes Anderson movies being made. And so you have all of his returning cast, but also a bunch of new cast members coming in. And it felt like this, the same for Christopher Nolan in this movie, as well as, I mean, Barbie is just a fun project and it seemed to get a lot of big yeah, names yeah, yeah. because of that. Now, I wanted to make that note, but really my question is going to be, what would the movies be like and how would it change? How would it like, obviously I don't think it would improve either, but how would it change if you took the casts of each movie and swapped them, right? (laughs) (laughs) Instead of having, yeah, who would play what, what would the movie look like? Uh, Would, (laughs) yeah, how would Killian Murphy be? in Barbie <laughs> and, and how would Ryan Gosling be in Oppenheimer, As Oppenheimer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> honestly Ryan Man. Gosling has got range and Killian Murphy I'm sure does too but <laughs> like so would Florence Pugh you think or Emily Blunt be uh, Barbie probably Florence think... Pugh yeah she yeah. doesn't fit as well obviously Margot no. Robbie is kind of perfectly cast but yeah I think probably Mario Robbie, or not Mario Robbie. Uh, Mario Florence Robbie. Pugh would be the Mario main Pugh. Barbie, and then Emily yeah. Blunt would also be another Barbie. Um, yeah, but man, Ryan Gosling as Oppenheimer that is that is an interesting one to think of because I don't think that he wouldn't have done a good job. I still think like no, he, he could have great. done really well. Yeah. Killian Murphy was perfectly cast, and he did an excellent job in that role. But I think Ryan Gosling is just such a good actor that he could have done a great yeah. job as well. <laughs> I yeah, think in totally. Barbie you'd have a a bunch of good Kens in, you know Jack Quaid and uh, yep. oh yeah Josh Peck yep. and Roderick Rules yeah <laughs> Devin Bostic I think is his name I, that sounds right the yeah, name we learned Bostic. after that yeah oh a hundred percent oh he'll still be Roderick Rules uh, for for a while but yeah oh totally I I think that it's an interesting question because. We all knew that Barbie had a had an all star cast, and we yeah. knew that Oppenheimer was going to have a good cast because it's it's Christopher Nolan. But a lot of the cast was kind of kept under wraps. Yeah, at they least, promoted the big. At least they were yeah. promoting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In but in then, terms of like outward promotion, like you could find it on IMDb stuff like that. But it wasn't like a this movie has all of these people, yeah, which yeah, was yeah, a big yeah. thing for Barbie. You know, like no, this yeah, movie has yeah. all of these people. So. It, um, and therefore watch it. Yeah, yeah, which is is a a tactic as old as time. You know, it's, there's nothing yeah, wrong with advertising yeah. your movie that way. But movie, yeah. um, I because Jared came up with this question before we saw these movies. Yeah, and before we um, went in. I was I was kind of thinking like, well, I can put people from the Barbie movie into Oppenheimer, but I don't know how I'm going to put people from Oppenheimer into Barbie. And then there were so many people in Oppenheimer, <laughs> so people. and I was yeah. like. Oh, no, okay, yeah. yeah, we could we could probably figure this out. <laughs> I think um, Robert Downey Jr. as Will Ferrell could work. Oh, yeah, as that would the have been really would be awesome. Yeah, yep, that would be the, so uh, awesome. The mother could have been uh, Emily Blunt. I'm thinking now, Emily Blunt could have been the mother mm-hmm. in the real world who played with oh, Florence Pugh's Barbie. Yeah. Yeah. And and the mother could have been um, one of the one of the two. You know, yeah, either yeah, yeah. either Emily Blunt or <laughs> probably. <Florence Pugh. laughs> yeah. She probably would have been uh, Emily Blunt. Yeah. She probably would have been. Oh, really? I was going to say she probably would have been Florence Pugh. Sure. Either way, I don't know. Possibly. Yeah. She's just a uh, no, older, because he probably. I don't know. It's it's hard to tell. It's hard to tell, yep. especially because Florence Pugh and Emily Blunt are both like my two of my biggest Hollywood crushes. So I'm like, I don't know which <laughs> one is like the more, like, sexy and sensual of the two to be the mistress. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think Kate McKinnon, actually. Yeah, well, he really... Kate McKinnon. Oh, yeah, yeah, Kate McKinnon. 
<laughs> she was so funny, by the way. She was yeah. so funny. Her her role was great. Everyone, yeah. Simu Leo was another standout in Barbie that yeah. I was really surprised by. He he could have done uh, whose whose role would he have had? He could have done uh, that one little role that Rami Malek has. I was so gonna say he well could have been Rami Malek. He could have done that. He could have just come in, had an incredible performance for what he was in, and then just like bounced, and that was it. Yeah. Well, and I was thinking True. with. Uh, Rami, Rami, Rami Malik, uh, when yeah, he so showed up, I was like, man, this is such a small role. I think just people want to be a part of the, the project. And then by the end, you're like, no, this is actually a significant person yeah, in the story. Yeah, he's a key role, uh-huh. yeah. a key yeah. player. Yep. But yeah. He, he, yeah, it does do that to you at the beginning, where it's like he doesn't really do it a whole lot, but when he comes around, it's, it's yep. awesome. Would anyone man. be able to out Alan? Michael Sarah. No, I really don't think so. I just don't Roderick. Know. Pulling pulling someone from that cast. Yeah, it would be Roderick, definitely. He would It'd be, be Roderick Alan. would have crushed it. But Michael Sarah did such a good job. And then seeing Michael Sarah as one of the scientists working on the Manhattan Project would have just been yeah, so real. He's trying so I mean, hard. It would have been similar to like a, a Josh Peck, you know? You see true, Drake and yeah, Josh true. kid yeah, showing yeah. up, you're like, Yeah. Hey, I mean, you're like, he's okay, doing sure, fine. I guess. Cool. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. funny because you, oh, you know, man. like Christopher Nolan probably has zero care or nostalgia about those movies, like shows or movies oh, from yeah. the other yeah. Absolutely. It's just like, oh, cool. Yeah, you auditioned and did great with your audition. And so you're going to get cast in this role. Yeah. And you have like somewhat of a name. So, yeah. Yeah. It was did you see there was a it, uh, Christopher Nolan was like a guest on either a radio show or a podcast or something. He was just calling in. Um, but they asked him, like, what are some of your remote drops, which is like a movie that when you're scrolling through the channels, you see this movie and you're like, okay, drop in the remote. I'm on this movie now. And you'll just watch oh, it see. till the end. Uh-huh. And cool. he cited Talladega nights really? as, <laughs> as like one of his main ones. He was like, yeah. And they're like, is, is that real? Is that actually your remote drop? And there's a bit of silence. And then Christopher Nolan says, if you ain't first, you're last. <laughs> and they just like, they're all like, oh. <laughs> that's so funny. Yeah, dude. So that's he, so he might know, you know, more about the comedy world than we give him credit yeah. for. Yeah, totally. Totally. That also means he could do a lot with Will Ferrell. he's got kids would be watching this stuff. Yeah, that's true. Yep. Yeah. Will Ferrell has time. some, some good, uh, um, like dramatic chops as well. But at the yeah. same time, he's one of the funniest actors around he did such a good job in barbie too and the guy so his like main assistant guy is from this show called Stathlet's flats um which no one has seen it's a british comedy and i was just so happy he was in it because he's (laughs) no one knows who he is he's just some greek actor and i was like man he's in barbie i love that he's in this because i didn't know he was in it until he showed up i was like whoa it was he and he did wait which guy are we talking about the not the guy who comes into the board room meeting to pitch the idea of oh hey Barbie's gone, it's the guy who's like to his right. Seats. It's like his right hand man, yeah, the one who can gotcha. take the most Interesting. play and the most reliance. Yeah, funny. I think with a good cast, you can do a lot, and yeah, they would yeah, no matter what the movie is, be fine. But I mean, but they just, were perfectly cast, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, they were perfectly cast as is. But I just love the idea of swapping them in your brain and seeing who fits into what roles because you could yeah. totally bring a smaller player in one movie into a bigger role in another one as well yeah, so big time yeah send us your cast true true choices. true yeah true seriously yeah absolutely um, Niall, what was your question that you were wanting to talk to us about i'm not if gonna could, lie to you i cannot remember wasn't it if you could drop an atomic bomb on any country <laughs> oh yeah what's your least oh, favorite right. country what's your least favorite country or city what's your least favorite country and yeah Oh, now I can tell you guys. This is my fun thing that I can tell you guys. That's um, I don't have a question, but here's my fun fact. That's an so interesting I was telling segue you before, from yeah. that joke into, oh, before, hey, I'm so excited well, to tell you I was ta- We were talking about least favorite country, and I was trying to think of a way to make that joke about Barbie <laughs> instead of Oppenheimer. Um, and then I remembered my fun fact, which is I told you guys that Ted Cruz was campaigning that Barbie had pro-communist China propaganda. Oh, yeah. <laughs> do you want to hear you what know? the pro-communist China oh, propaganda is? Oh, I do. Please, yeah. 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 I'm curious, actually. Um, it is in the scene with Weird Barbie. She mm-hmm. is showing a map of Barbie land and then a map of the real world. 
And the real world map is very clearly just kind of like crudely drawn. It's designed to look like a child had seen a picture of a map of the world and then drew a map of the world. Yeah. And, that yeah. Was, and yep. so all of Asia um, or most of Asia is labeled China. <laughs> and it goes down onto a certain, um, I guess, string of islands that is like disputed territory that communist China claims that they have um, uh, like control over, but they it's like a disputed thing. And it's colored the same color as the rest of the China continent. Oh, And brother. apparently it's like it's supporting communist China and... It's like no, there's no way they were trying to sneak a political statement into that map that's shown <laughs> that for, for, for one second of the. Well, movie. I think this is, now this is Vietnam yeah. banned Barbie. Yeah, yeah now that you mentioned that, is that it's, it's yeah, yeah. Now that you mention it, it, I think Warner Brothers came out and said that was totally unintentional. It was just a drawing. It was not any sort of political statement. They're yeah. like, and like Gregor Gerwig or whoever was like, yeah, it was just exactly what Niall said. It's just someone drew it to make it seem like a kid draw, drew it. Yeah. yeah, and Barbie was not hiding their political, like, feelings, no. you know? Any no, statements that they were making were very clear and very yeah. intentional Poignant. for the story. Yeah, yeah. sure. And, but at the same time, it's like, if you're going into a Barbie movie and not expecting it to be pro-women, like, yeah. what? Yeah. it's a Barbie. It's like, it's been a girl's toy forever. And so, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's, I, I saw this well, post on Reddit that was like, there are two movies that came out this weekend, Barbie and Oppenheimer. One of them is about a little girl's toy, and one of them is about the creation of the bomb that could detonate and wipe out all mankind guess one is stirring which one is stirring up more political controversy (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny but i i really did after more reflection i've thought that like any of the so-called political stuff in barbie I don't even feel like as a political, it's just no. the actual it's like, just state of society. It's just calling it out how it is. Yeah, yeah. just how like, it is, yeah. I would say there's some stuff like about, you know, women's labor, things like that, that's obviously more political. But like the stuff that the mom says about women to like wake the Barbies up, that's not political. That's just like society's expectations. Yeah. No. That's mm-hmm. That's the same stuff that we used to hear about like you know, teen girls looking at GQ models and then crying because they didn't look the same. That's what yeah. she's talking about. Exactly. That's not politicized. That's that's societal. That's just what it's like expectations to live. Like, yeah, exactly. And it, it also, like, it, of course, doesn't go nearly into as depth, uh, into the same depth that it does with women. But there, it touches on those aspects of a man, too, with with small conversations with Ken and, and certain like societal expectations. This movie, I don't think in any way is anti man as much as it is anti dominance of one side. Cause yeah. it shows the problems mm-hmm. with both. And, and the solution to all of it is that they end up in a coexisting. more equitable <laughs> and more yeah. coexisting situation. Like, no, that's the, that's the point of it is that yeah. we, it, it's, equality you know mm-hmm. and yeah so, and and it I, is yeah. funny that it's it's the two hyperbolic states of it where the real world for the most part is primarily run by men and then barbie land is 100 won by women it's based run by women and saying hey look we need to find a balance between this quote-unquote fantasy where women are running everything right. and the real world where the i mean there's that joke where uh, Will Ferrell was like, oh, come on, we've had one female CEO, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure we might have had a second. Like, it's just such a crazy concept f- that some people, for some reason, still have a hard time grasping. It's like, yeah, there's a huge disparity between the amount of, like, women in positions of leadership, yeah. especially at large corporations. And it's just like, well, no, we had that one yeah, CEO the from the 90s. the girls' toy company board is just all men. All men, not a single, yeah. Yeah, yep. <laughs> yeah it was crazy. But, yeah, it, it was really effective in the way that it did it because it made it funny, but it also made it so that you got thinking about it. And it was like, yeah, you know, this is a good point, but it's also really funny the way that it's presenting it to you. Yeah. So I loved it for that as well, for sure. No doubt, son. No doubt. But, yeah, so, I still can't remember what question I had. No doubt and no question. <laughs> well, I've got another question. Yeah, oh, well, isn't uh okay uh this question i'm gonna say it and i think it might be jared's next one just so we get no yeah you but it, the uh, the idea of what what would be another power combo of two movies that could come out on the same weekend uh, yeah was that jared's question or niles question already yeah i was, I was talking about that one as okay well. yeah um, well 
for context on that one, in 2008, we had Mamma Mia and The Dark Knight that released on the same day. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Which the Dark Mama walked so that Barbenheimer could run. <laughs> yeah. What would be the next duo that would fly? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's glorious. Yeah. So one one duo that almost did happen was Batman versus Superman and Captain America Civil War almost came out on the right. same day. Oh. And I would have loved to have seen that happen. The duel because of the duels. The duel of the duels, exactly. So something along those lines where it's like two movies from big studios. They don't have to be superheroes necessarily. But, I mean, for the sake of the question, I think that one would have been really cool to see. It was yeah. DC who ended up moving because Marvel, of course, is like, we have the confidence that we're going to make, we're going to be more successful than you, so you better move. Yeah. They literally did the line from Civil War, the plant yourself like a tree and say, no, you move. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so I just love that idea of the dueling duels, but it didn't end up happening. What I will say, though, since just for the future, I think it could be really cool. Well, not cool, but I think it would be very interesting if James Gunn's DC becomes successful they do end up releasing a Marvel and a DC movie on the same day and then mm. seeing which one does well. Because if DC is on the uptick and uh, Marvel is still on a downward spiral at that point, it could be really cool to see DC yeah. beat out a Marvel movie. And just um, kind of turn another the thing that I have had a dream of for a long time is during an era of DC good movie and Marvel good movie, mm-hmm. while they're doing multiverse stuff, which hopefully we move mm. away from, but uh, not for imagine, another five years, buddy. Imagine two movies coming out on the same day, a DC and a Marvel movie, but both of them having like a shared scene of Marvel of like multiverse intersection. Oh, interesting. But like filmed from both sides, like just via collaboration, you know, like, oh yeah, we could do this in a way that'll make both of us more money, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, I could see it happening on a business end of things, just the same as comic crossovers have happened and things like that. Totally. But I also don't want that to happen now. (laughs) No, no. Give us 10 10 years of DC. Good. Yeah. 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 Because we are now 10 uh, years out from the... DCEU starting with Man of Steel and we have gotten maybe one okay movie. (laughs) Marvel has been around for 15 years. Man of Steel. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) The first one they haven't ever topped it. For some people that is the case. Um, So 10 years from James Gunn's start which will be 2025 to 2035 if by that point we've got you know at least some good DC content that would be big thumbs up in my book. Yeah. Yeah. it would be very cool to see. I mean, we we've gotten a lot of these kind of dueling movies throughout, uh, just like the last twenty years. Movies that are similar topic coming out right next to each other, like yeah. Ants, Bugs, Life is a great example. Yeah, yep. Yep. Darkest uh, Hour and Dunkirk. Yeah. Yeah. Both about that's Dunkirk. true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, White House Down and Olympus Has Fallen. Yep. Right. Totally. Like those those kind of movies. It'd be interesting to have two movies with a similar topic but different approaches come out Mm, on the same day yeah yeah so like uh everything everywhere all at once kind of multiverse movie and then another non-marvel kind of look at like a character piece where there's different scenes and different realities that'd be super sick i -hmm. think an interesting approach that i can think of just that would take on a topic that's kind of a hot topic right now is um, say another movie comes out the same day as Dead Reckoning Part 2, but this movie is like some art house movie about an AI that has gained sentience. It, it's basically her, but from the other side. It's the story oh, of the actual of the AI, AI, like falling in love with a person. Um, and so you get, you get the story of the horrors hmm. of AI from Dead Reckoning, but yeah. then you also get just like an absolute like AI love story. Interesting. Um, yeah, that could be really cool. Kind of at the same time, but told with the AI as the protagonist. Yeah. Could be kind Very of Very different perspectives and approaches yeah. to a similar to theme. To a similar topic. Like, obviously, it could be the complete opposite, right? Like how yeah. Barbie theme and topic and 
Oppenheimer is very different. With, that moved. also had surprising amounts of crossover, though, in like yeah. general. Yes, yeah, some of the yeah of broad like, themes. Some what of them, is definitely. who am I? What is existence? What is my participation in the history of you know? Yeah, it, like what's my legacy type stuff? Where I was like, oh mm-hmm. yeah, that's actually kind of similar. <laughs> like, yeah, it was interesting walking out of Barbie and thinking. Oh, think that there are going to be some themes that were actually way more similar yeah. uh, going into Oppenheimer than we were But, but I, I see what you're saying. Those movies are polar opposites, whereas but yeah. how do you, yes. how do you Having, make movies that have the same themes but that are very different movies still? Yeah, my, my biggest thought is just having one maybe more of a popular director, kind of like a Chris Nolan or uh, like a Spielberg or something, at the same time as a Pixar movie. Both you know, mm-hmm. going to be very different in tone. Mm-hmm. Um, well, maybe maybe Spielberg is a little Pixar as far as the tone. Very yeah. adventure yeah. happy. Uh, but uh, you know what I, I mean. see what you're saying. Like yeah. having two movies that people could already get excited about coming out at the same time that just are very different. Yeah. But Well, here's, here's no another two movies. real prediction. <laughs> yeah. I've got two movies that I want to pitch just because these are two movies that I've really wanted to see made for a long time. Mm-hmm. And they are, and this is the common theme is classical literature. Um, mm. The first being The Old Man in the Sea by Ernest Hemingway. I would love to see that made in like a really good movie with just like almost no dialogue. Because that's how the book is. It's all just kind of him and his thought process and stuff. But the story and what's actually going on is really, really interesting. So mm. the way you would do it is basically like, no dialogue in the actual story, but maybe like flashbacks or things that he's thinking about and stuff like that. Always wanted to see that. And then you can release it on the same day as the other movie that I would really like to see made, which is The Count of Monte Cristo, but filmed in the style of the Les Mis movie with all those like hyper close ups. Because Les Mis, regardless of what you think about that movie and like the music, that movie is beautiful visually. Yeah, I and love that so movie, honestly. I, really I, I love it, too. A lot of people trash on it, but I think it's great. But The Count of Monte Cristo is awesome, and the movie for it's cool, but it's not at all what the book is. Yeah. And I would mm-hmm. love to see yeah. a really book-accurate and very artistically shot Count of Monte Cristo movie. Seriously. So you yeah. release two classical literature book movies at like on the same day at the same time, it could be pretty sweet. That would be cool. I Also, you know, having a three four hour count of monte cristo and really doing sick. it because society have... is ready for the long movie again. yeah i we're think ready. we're getting there absolutely there's lots of long movies and i just oh man i want a, a good count of monte cristo so badly yeah a new one that's book accurate totally and i don't want it to be a miniseries there are a lot of great miniseries done but i think a movie would be awesome yeah Something like an epic, like a Napoleon that's coming out later this year, which yeah. I am really stoked on. I think that could be awesome. And it's Ridley and, Scott, and it's mm-hmm. made now, so I wouldn't be surprised if that movie is like three hours and forty-five minutes. Long it is three hours. It's very. It's going to be very long. Oh. Yeah, it's at least three hours. And then um, we've talked about this with Martin Scorsese's movie *Killers of the Flower Moon*. is two hundred and six minutes, which is three and a half no hours basically. Oh. Yep. Oh. Yep. Hey, no, we just said we're ready for it. We're That's ready for great. it. No, Let's no, no, go. I'm down. really excited for it. Let's I'm go down. support his movies. If you need, take a pillow and just nap time. Nap. <laughs> if it's Should not anything delicious, make sure watch we go and support. AI, you can watch that NPC TikTok lady if you get bored for a little bit. Oh, <laughs> dude, those memes are so funny. Gang, gang. Yes, yes, where yes. It's just, where it's just like Oppenheimer uh, playing in the background. Mm, it's like, ice cream's so good. <laughs> this crap yes, is yes, too yes. long, and it's just that on the yeah. Just like a the subway surfer video at the bottom <laughs> of the screen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, we well, say I we're ready we've for had, it. Uh, I think we've had a good episode of lots of yeah, good titillating discussion. I think we did it. We, we watched Barbenheimer, guys. We conquered it. We conquered Barbenheimer yeah. in one night. Kind of want to do it again, not going to lie. I don't think I'm going to do them we both do. on the same night, but I do want to rewatch them both, but yeah, while they're in yeah. theaters. I'd like to see either of them again. So, Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Um, if you want to do more for our egos than just listen, you can also go to Spotify or Apple Music and rate this friggin' podcast a whole five stars. Ooh. You also, if you... 
recommend this podcast to two of your friends and both of them recommend it to two of their friends and so on, then we'll have like a lot of people listening to the podcast and then we can maybe make 14 bucks off of Spotify <laughs> for podcasters. Shout out Thanks to our actual real life sponsors. Our actual real life potentially paid sponsor. That's we just the app excited. we use to publish the podcast <laughs> through. Hey, that's truly how you got to do it is, is yeah. get the people who are using your product to promote it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. Well, it's like it'd be like if you were a writer and they were like, "Hey, we're Word, the the you know software <laughs> yeah. you use to write on. We're going to sponsor." It's like, okay, cool, yeah, sure, I guess yeah. so. <laughs> I'm using it on it already, so might as yeah. well. Talk in, about in, how also, like in it. such a dominated market, it's like, oh, do you want us to advertise you so that people don't go to your competitors for posting <laughs> podcasts? Like, where else are people posting? Exactly. Their what? What else? So, yeah. What are the other? Whatever. Yeah, well, I don't know. We knows? love Spotify. For if podcasts. they're smart, they wouldn't it. go anywhere else. Exactly. Because a lot of podcasters for Spotify has it all. <laughs> yep, yeah. they, they certainly do. <laughs> Um, so, uh, also you can, yeah, thank you so much for listening. Um, shout outs to Kel real quick from Britain, Inkley, Riley, Allen, Ian Hmm. Martin, Ian James Martin, sorry. And Hannah Steed. Um, if you guys want to also give a shout out to Kel, you can support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash man cave movie night. We also have a website, man cave movie night.com where you can learn more about us and, uh, <laughs> and the show and, the and show. listen to it and the, the show i suppose um but thank you guys so much for watching and listening and we'll see you on another man cave movie night monday